Welcome back to the Audio DT with Reb T, the Audio Devar Torah, the show where we talk about the Parsha or the holiday or the time of the week with some practical lessons to keep. Sorry we missed a week with all the holidays coming up with the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur now in the middle of Sukkot. not so easy to get it done. We try to get to you when we can. But this week we're talking about Sukkot. And the audio DT, we try to talk in a couple of minutes. Sometimes we do it in 10, 15, 20, 30 or so minutes, depending on the week and depending on how much sources or whatnot. But we try to get it to you with some practical lessons to keep. So we're talking, we're talking about Sukkot. We're now, right now, smack on the, in the middle of Sukkot. We're almost done with Sukkot. Sukkot is a very interesting holiday, a wonderful holiday. Of course, it's supposed to remind us and make us cognizant and recognize of the fact that when Hashem took us out of Egypt, when He took us out of Mitzrayim and He took us out and gave us the Geula, after so many years, from 210 years of, of slavery and oppression, and really 400 years from the beginning of the time of being strangers in a strange land, with really the birth of Yitzchak and Avram wandering, after all those years, Hashem takes us out, and He takes us into the desert, He takes us into the Midbar, and He affords us protection. He makes sure to take care of us, He takes care of all of our needs, He gives us the man for food, and the man, of course tasted like anything you could have ever wanted, which is why it's so bewildering, so fascinating, on a very strange level to think why they would complain about the man. We remember the cucumbers and the melons that we had in Mitzrayim, the fish. Mind you, their existence in Mitzrayim was actually terrible. And I don't think anybody would choose to be in back-breaking, oppressive labor just because of some cucumbers and lemons and melons or the like. And even that kind of portions, I'm sure it was very meager and nothing like the taste of freedom and the taste of man that they were given by Hashem. So they were given by the man, they were given the man which was delicious, and it, it was described, it's described as the Torah as like a honey cake, a dough baked with honey, and it sounds really delicious. And I believe the sages and the Mephorshim explain that it was actually absorbed into their body, meaning they didn't even have to go to the bathroom. Can you imagine for 40 years not having to relieve yourself, not needing to relieve yourself, not needing to run to the bathroom? Anyone that has any kind of stomach condition or any kind of condition related to gastro would be like wanting that so much on so many levels. Anyone who has any dairy problems or lactose or gluten or anything like these related to all these issues would be amazing to have to not worry about this. It literally was absorbed into the body. Another wonderful thing Hashem did for us in in the Midbar after we left Mitzrayim, and He also afforded us the ability to have clothing. And the sages, the, the commentators also explained that the clothing grew with us. It was conformed to our bodies, it was conformed to our shapes and our sizes and our needs. And throughout the 40 years, I believe it grew with us. So they didn't have to worry about sewing either. And Hashem made it for them that even though they were 40 years, they only had like a couple of travels, maybe 18 travels in 40 years. I forget the number. But that's also a kindness. That means they only had to move every two years. He could have made them move every five seconds if he wanted, but he let them sit down and settle in the encampment around the Mishkan. Once the Mishkan was built and they had their different encampments, of course, Bilam looks around them and says, Matovo Yaakov. They all were able to encamp in such a way that they afforded privacy to one another, which in and of itself is a wonderful lesson about not looking into another's home, not looking into another's life, not looking in a way that's that's not proper and not 
manner full of others, not trying to think about what goes on behind closed doors and giving people their space and giving people their privacy, which is in and of itself very important. But the main thing that we're, rec- that we're recognizing and remembering and picturing over Sukkot is the fact that Hashem took care of us and took us out and brought us with the protection of the cloud, which was like a covering, a hut. And he gave us huts, he gave us coverings, he gave us sukkah dwellings when we left Mitzrayim. So Hashem afforded us the protection and Hashem allowed us to have such a protection and allowed us to be taken out of the, be being able to be taken out of Mitzrayim. And the thing is that we we need to remember that we have to understand what we had. Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. He afforded us protection with the cloud. You know, when the Mitzrayim were, were chasing us and following us and trying to hound us, trying to hurt us, Hashem made a pillar by night of fire. And during the day, there was the cloud. And the cloud was not just a protection from Mitzrayim, not just a protection from the harsh elements of the world, of the desert. The desert is a very uninhabitable place. Anyone that's been to a desert knows nobody could really live there. Very difficult. Of course, Israel has found out beautiful ways how to make the desert bloom, which was the dream of Ben-Gurion and the others. But in general, it's very cold at night, very, very hot during the day. We know Hagar went out with her son into the desert, and they almost died there. He almost died there, Yishmael. But Hashem, of course, saved him based on his current state, the sages explain. And the desert also was made more inhabitable for those walking. Hashem made it that the cloud would, like make plain and level all of the ground as they were walking, the commentators explained. So Hashem leveled the ground as they're walking on to make it more enjoyable and more pleasant for them as they're walking, which also is nice. You know, the desert, the terrain of the Middle East and of Israel is not, and the land leading up to Israel, of course, is not really so habitable, not so walkable, not so great. Think about hundreds of hundreds of years in the past where there were no roads, there were no highways, there was nothing. There was just sand and pebbles and dirt and dust. It would not have been comfortable for them to walk. I don't know what kind of stuff they had on their feet. I'm sure they made something, leather or whatnot. The Gemara talks about different types of shoes, but nothing like the shoes we have nowadays. So Hashem leveled it and made it soft for them. Hashem also made it that the cloud protected them from advancing attackers of the midstream. It literally repelled the swords and repelled the arrows that were being shot at them. So the hut reminds us that Hashem protected us. Hashem gave us the dwellings, gave us the ability to have tents in the desert, gave us the protection. Even if it was considered a temporary dwelling, Hashem was always there taking care of us. And also the cloud got rid of any dangerous elements. Apparently the cloud, according to the commentators as well, I believe explained that the cloud got rid of scorpions and spiders and snakes, clearing the path for them, making them protected. So the whole idea of Sukkot is understanding and under, and under understanding, really, and being in your mind to, re- to realize that you're being protected by the one and only Hashem. Sukkot commemorates and reminds us that we were in the desert for 40 years and Hashem protected us under difficult desert conditions. It's known as the, the Chag of the, Chag of the Sukkot of the booths. Understood and understanding that Hashem is always protecting us. Understanding that Hashem is around and Hashem is taking care of us always, especially those 40 
years in the desert. And Sukkot is also known as Chag Asif, the Chag of gathering. When when you're getting in and bringing in all of your harvest related to the different things, also understanding that Hashem protects us and takes care of our food, our material, our bodily needs, our spiritual needs, that Hashem is always around us. Hashem is basically giving us a hug. Hashem is guiding us. If we are cognizant and remember that Hashem is in our minds and Hashem is in our hearts and Hashem is in our lives, knowing that He controls everything around us, understanding He takes care of everything around us, then we could be a more joyful and happy life, having a happy life. When we understand that we went through very difficult, very intense days of awe, but we come to Sukkot, we come out saying, we hope, we pray, we believe Hashem will give us another year, a beautiful year, a year hopefully free of plague, free of magifa, with happiness, joy, and simcha. Hopefully a year that's full of amazing things and wonderful years, and we're hoping, and we're 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 believing, and we're Keeping it in our hearts that Hashem allows us another year. Hopefully many years, all of us, at Meva Esm Shana, we should be Zoha, 120 years, that's the holiday of Sukkot. And we go from our houses, we purposely build a temporary structure, a Sukkah, to be cognizant of the fact that the real protection is only in Hashem. That's why when we do our shalos, we do our mitzvahs, we do things like the market, putting a fence around the roof, and the mezuzah, putting up the mezuzah, the real protection is not from security systems. It's not from doors. It's not from locks. It's not from any type of system or contraption. Real protection is really from Hashem. Real protection is really understanding that it all comes from above. You could have the best security system in the world. You could have the best locks in the world, but things could still be broken into, God forbid, if Hashem wills it. The real protection is only from Hashem. Of course, we have to do harshtadas. Of course, we have to have a security system like we have, and we have to have locks on our doors like we have, and all of us have, and of course, we have to put things in protection, but everything really comes from Hashem. That's why when people start coming into their house, when the fall leads to winter, when people start putting away their summer materials, start going into their houses, we dafka go out into our sukkahs. We go outside. The Jewish people go outside into the sukkah. Dafka, when the non-Jews, the second the society start going into their house. This is the time people start putting away their summer stuff, start getting their house ready and winterizing their houses, start maybe using their heating systems even when we have some cold nights, cold days, but we dafka make ourselves a little uncomfortable. We're supposed to eat and do everything in our sukkah. We're supposed to sleep in the sukkah. We're supposed to do what we can in the sukkah, reminding ourselves that everything here is temporary and it's only under the protection of Hashem that that happens. That's the idea of the sukkah. And we make it out of a flimsy structure. How many times has Hashem Davka brought a storm or brought a hurricane or brought a, brought a crazy windy winter conditions Davka during the time of sukkahs? And how many people's sukkahs collapse or blow away or their schach comes off? I built the sukkah before for Yom Kippur, and then a few days later, right before Sukkah started, the schach blew off, so then I had to tie it down. But it teaches us, and under, we understand that the Sukkah is temporary. The Sukkah is not a strong, permanent dwelling. Even even us, during the year, we, we lose sight of this. We think that we're in our homes, we're safe, we're protected. Our homes are a permanent structure. Sukkah reminds us nothing is permanent and nothing is really strong. Nothing is really safe. It's only Hashem. You think about Louisiana, you think about Tennessee, you think about New Orleans, you think about all these places in Japan. 
who were devastated by tsunamis and hurricanes and tornadoes. Even the strongest house has no match for the nature that comes from Hashem, if Hashem wills it. Hashem is the only force that could do what He wants, taking or giving. Hashem is the ultimate power, and Hashem is the only one that protects. You could have the most beautiful house on earth. You could have a gazillion dollar house where you think it's fortified and strong. Yerushalayim back in the day was fortified and strong. It was an impenetrable city, but of course, Hashem is stronger than any force, than any house. You could think you could have the strongest thing on earth, but really everything is temporary because really everything is from Hashem. Hashem is the only protection. Hashem is the one that gives, Hashem is the one that takes. And Sukkot reminds us that Hashem is the one that's in control. We come out of our comfortable houses. We come out of our quote-unquote permanent housing. What does it mean, permanent housing? A house could be destroyed in a second. A house could be built in a second. Hashem is the only permanent protection. Hashem is the only permanent force. Hashem hulavado, Hashem himself. And you think about the fact that we take the, the lulav and the esrog. The Gemara and the sages explain that each element of the lulav and the esrog represents a different type of Jew. The esrog is the Jew that is beautiful inside and out, I believe, because it has a taste and it has a smell, a Jew that has Torah and has mitzvahs. Then you have the lulav, the branch itself that has no taste and no smell. The Jew that has no mitzvahs, no Torah learning and is lacking and needs to come back. Then you have the hadas, which I think, and the aravad, I forget which is with, but one has a taste but no smell. And one has a smell but no taste. One has a taste but no smell. One has a smell but no taste. I forget which one is which. But to emphasize and to understand that some Jews might have learning, but some might not. Some Jews might have mitzvahs, but some might not have not. But we take all four together. We take all the species together. Javka to explain that Hashem wants all of us. Hashem needs all of us. Hashem wants to take all four of us together. Wants us all to be in unity, to love one another, because we are one unit. All the Jewish people are one unit. And I don't want to hear he's Republican. I don't want to hear he is Democrat. I don't want to hear she's Reform. I don't want to hear he's conservative. Or he is religious and she's not. We're all one unit. We might have different viewpoints. We might not agree. And we might disagree. But we have to love each other no matter what. I don't want to hear that you hate this person because they're X, Y, or Z. You could disagree with their actions. You could disagree with their viewpoints. But we dafka take all the species together to prove that we're all one unit. We're all one family. We all must be together. We all must love one another. That's the idea of taking it all together. Hashem sees us all as one nation. Even our enemies understand this. The Germans didn't say, I'm only going to kill the Orthodox. The, or, the Germans took the Reform. They took the Conservative. They took the Orthodox. They took the Unaffiliated. They took anyone that had anything related to anything Jewish. We thought we could assimilate some of us in Germany. The 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 enemies, Yemach Shemam, took all of us and wanted to kill all of us because every Jew is a Jew. That's why they say if a Jew doesn't do Kiddush, I saw this quote recently, I forget who says it, if a Jew doesn't do Kiddush, the non-Jews will do Havdalah. Meaning, if a Jew doesn't stay true to the heritage, tries to assimilate, tries to give it all up, it will never be given up. The non-Jews will still 
recognize and try to separate you and try to pick on you. You know, the best way to combat anti-Semitism is not to assimilate, is not to give up your Jewishness, is to be proud of your Jewishness, to be proud of your Judaism, to be proud of your Yahadut. You stand up tall. You wear that kippah at work. You show what it means to be an Amhanivchar, to be a nation of priests, a nation of ministers, a nation of royalty, the princes and the princesses of Hashem. You stand up and show what it means to have truth, honesty, kindness, and what it means to make a Kiddush Hashem, to be a walking Kiddush Hashem. So we take all the species together to show that we're all one unit. If we don't understand and accept our heritage, we don't do our mitzvahs, the non-Jews will do it for us, God forbid. If a Jew doesn't make Kiddush, a Jew doesn't do the mitzvahs, doesn't do the chesed, doesn't do the Torah, God forbid, he thinks he could throw it off, the nations around you will make you realize, make you understand, make you feel different, and make you realize what you really are. They will do the Havdalah. They will separate for you. We should never come to that. We should never need that. That's the idea of Kol Yisrael Raven Zelazam. The Gemara points out we are all responsible for one another. We are all in control of one another. We all must be involved with one another. We take all the species together. We take all the Arba Minim together to point this out that we're all a unit. We all are together. Hashem loves all of us. We all shall love one another. The way to combat Sinat Chinam, the way to combat the loss of the Beis Amigdash and to bring back the Beis Amigdash, I believe on one small level would be to have Ahavat Chinam, to love one another another unconditionally just because we're all Jews. I don't care what your religious viewpoint is. I still love you as a Jew. I still want you to come back to the fold to the best way. I don't care what your political affiliations are. I want you to understand that deep down we're all Jews. We're all brethren. We're all in it together. Hashem wants all of us together. That's one of the ideas of Sukkot as well. And of course, the, poor, the, the sources in Chabad point out to us, the Pasuk says in one of the readings over Sukkot, these are the appointed times of Hashem, callings of holiness which you shall call in their appointed time. Why are they called callings of holiness? What does it mean, Mo'adei? Kodesh. What does it mean that we a Kodesh? We call it holy. So the sources in Chabad, the Hasidic masters point out the festivals are callings of holiness. a Kodesh in the sense that each is a landmark in time at which we are explaining that we are empowered to call forth a particular holiness or spiritual quality embedded in it. We have to realize that the, 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 the element, the aspect of the holiness of the day, the holiness of the holiday has to be called forth. We have to bring that holiness, that spiritual quality embedded within it. On the first Pesach, for example, Hashem granted us the gift of freedom. On the first Shavuot, He gave us the Torah. On Rosh Hashanah, God became king of the universe. On Yom Kippur, we received the gift of tshuva, and so on and so forth. But freedom, wisdom, awe, joy, peace, and the other divine gifts granted in the course of our history are constant needs of the soul. They are the spiritual nutrients that sustain her in her journey through life. Hashem embedded these qualities within the very substance of time and set appointed times at which they can be accessed. Each year, when we arrive at the juncture of time where a particular spiritual quality has been embedded, we're granted the ability to access it once again. The special mitzvahs of each festival are the tools which we, we call forth the holiness of the day. Eating matz on Passover on Pesach on earth is the gift of freedom. Sounding the shofar on Rosh Hashanah calls forth its quality of awe. Using the sukkah and the arba minim on sukkah brings forth the idea of joy, understanding that we're so happy Hashem takes care of us. We realize Hashem takes 
care of us. We understand true joy is in serving Hashem, fulfilling our purpose and understanding His protection is the only real protection we need. And it goes on so on and so forth with the appointed times of Hashem. We have to bring forth the callings of holiness at each aspect of our life, especially on Sukkot now, especially on Shabbos when we could have Yom Menucha, Kedusha. I talk about it all the time. I feel such zen, such calm on Shabbos. When my wife lights the candles, it's almost as if we feel an aura shooting throughout the house. It's like a metaphorical light spurns throughout the whole house because it goes from chaos to peace. The whole Friday could be crazy. We could all be we could all be running and, and the whole world could be fighting with one another, but then the light of the candles of Shabbos is lit and we all feel the peace radiate. We have to bring that holiness and use it. Enjoy the menucha of Shabbos. Sit next to one another. Read. Enjoy Shabbos and sing and talk Torah. And on Sukkot, we're supposed to feel the joy and understand that we should be Zoha to have the real sanctuary, the real tabernacle, not the temporary booths of our sukkah, not the temporary ability of our houses and gullahs, our houses. These should not be the end all and be all. We should not spend millions of dollars on a house in gullahs. I believe we should spend that money and use it on a house in Eretz Yisrael. We're meant to be in Eretz Yisrael. Why spend a gazillion dollars? Why spend a million dollars on a house that's only temporary? Gullahs is supposed to be temporary. You're not supposed to feel that this is your set permanence. You're not supposed to feel that this is where you belong. You should save that money. Only use it on Israel. That's why I tell my wife a lot of times. Maybe that stuff, why Hashem put it so strongly in my hand, in my house, in my mind, to spend X amount of dollars, not a million dollars, but maybe less than a half on a small house in America. And it's not even small. Baruch Hashem, it has more than enough room for my wife, myself, and our three kids. And it has a beautiful basement, an attic area, an office area, a sleeping area. It has the bedrooms and has the kitchen, living, dining. But we shouldn't be spending a million or so on a temporary dwelling. This is not where we're supposed to be. The the living of the Jew, the living of the soul, the essence of the nefesh is supposed to be an Eretz Yisrael. That is maybe where our money should really be spent. We should realize we should have the joy and the hope that just as we're sitting in the temperate dwelling, maybe Hashem will allow us to finally have the permanent dwelling of the Beit HaMikdash, the third base of Mikdash that Blinader is promised to never be broken, to never be destroyed, and to always be present. That Mashiach should come this year. That the building of the third base of Mikdash should come this year. That we should be Zochem to allow ourselves the, the happiness and the joy of the hope that hopefully it'll come this year. Allow the holiness of the day to wash over us, to come over us, to make us feel happy, to make us feel excited, have the joy to realize all of our family is here throughout Israel if we just take it all together, take all the Arbaminim together and enjoy them together, understand that we should all be together with Ahavad Chinam and really taking care of one another. Chabad.org also points out with the Mare Yecheskel that there's a story that a king was traveling through the desert. And his son, the crown prince, thirsted for water. But instead of dispatching a horseman to get the water for him, to, to get the, fetch the water from the nearest town, the king ordered a well to be dug at that very spot to mark it with a signpost. At the present time, explained the king to his son, we have the means to obtain water far more quickly and easily. But perhaps one day, many years in the future, you will again be traveling this way. Perhaps you will be alone 
without the power and privilege you now enjoy, then the well we dug today will be here to quench your thirst. Even if the sands of time have filled it, you will be able to reopen it if you remember the spot and follow the signpost we have set. This is what Hashem did for us by establishing the festivals at those points in time when He initially granted us the gift of freedom on Passover, on Pesach, joy of Sukkot, and so on. Throughout the different points of the year, throughout the different times of the year, we're supposed to reach into and tap into different elements and different feelings. We're supposed to feel awed by Rosh Hashanah. We're supposed to feel, we're supposed to feel tremendous fear by Yom Kippur. Hashem is judging us, hopefully for life, hopefully for good, hopefully for many years on this earth, on Meva Esram Shana. At Sukkot, we're supposed to feel joy and make yourself feel joy. Even if you don't feel joy because life is very scary, life is stressful, and we don't know what's going on with the future of who will lead America and the future where the virus will take us, the future when is Mashiach finally going to come and the base of English finally be built. We have stress, we have anxiety, but we're supposed to feel joy. Even if you don't feel the joy right now, you have to force yourself, you have to push yourself to feel the, the joy. The Gemara, the sages teach us, even when you don't feel something, even if when you do it, not for the official purpose, but if you feign it, you fake it, you'll come to the official purpose. If you don't feel happy, but you smile, you can make yourself feel happy. You don't feel the joy, but you pretend to have the joy, then you can have the joy. It takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. So why not smile? Why not receive? Receive every person with the countenance, a good countenance, like Perkeavos teaches us. Why not receive everyone with a smile? Receive everyone with a happy face. Don't have the resting witch face. It's going to ruin your countenance. It's going to ruin your outlook. It's going to make your face become more upset, and you're going to use more muscles and hurt your facial muscles more if you have the resting frown, the resting mean face, which we see on many people. You have a resting face that shows happiness and joy and inviting. When people see you, they see your smile, they see the crinkles by your eyes, they see your face, and they see, wow, this is a friendly person. That could bring more joy to the world. We're supposed to have joy. Even if we don't feel joy, we're supposed to push ourselves to feel joy at this point in the year. Dafka, at this point of the year. This is the Chag Hasimcha, the Chag of Joy, the festival of the, the gathering. And there's also a festival of Shavuos of the cutting and the gathering. I always mix up which is which. I believe this one's the gathering. I stand, if I stand corrected, I apologize. But still related to the crops taken in and dealing with the crops and dealing with all the things in the Bikurim and different points of the year we're supposed to bring the fruits to Hashem, understanding that Hashem is the protector. Hashem is the creator. Hashem gave us everything. We should feel that we're we're doing Him a, a mitzvah by bringing Bikurim. We should feel indebted that we have the opportunity, the ability to bring Him Bikurim. We bring Him the best, the first. That's what Kain and Hevel also had to realize. One brought the finest, the first. The other one brought like a shmachi, uh, a different kind of a situation. He didn't get it right. He got mad at his brother. He killed his brother. But in essence, we have to realize to give to Hashem. Hashem gives us everything. We should be so joyous to give back to Him. When He gives us money, He gives us a salary. He doesn't owe us anything. He's not obligated to give us money. Hashem gives us the gift of money. We're like the watchman. We're like the, the, the one that's standing guard over the money. We're the person that's like an executor of an estate. It's not your money. You're the person entrusted to divvy up the will. Is the lawyer going to say, oh my gosh, this is all my money. 
I'm so proud I got this money. No, he's the guy that's appointed over the estate to give out the money. So too, when we're given money, it's not because we're such a great doctor, we're such a great businessman, we're such a great therapist, such a great teacher. We do our ishtadas the best we can. We try to do well in our profession, but Hashem decides how much money we're going to get. It's not because you're so great. It's not It's not because I am so powerful, I am so great. By the strength of my hands, I got this money. Hashem decides in Rosh Hashanah how much money you're going to get. You're school might shut down. Your hospital might not be around. Your clinic might not be around. Your 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 salon might not like it. Look what happened with Corona. So many things shut down between stores and businesses. Hashem decides who's going to make money or not. How come Hashem decided this restaurant stayed open but this one closed? How come Hashem decided this clothing line business made it but this one didn't? How come Hashem decided these clinics, these hospitals made it but these did not? Because Hashem is the one that's in charge. Hashem is the one that gives it to you. You are just the executor of the estate. Shem gives you X amount of money. You better make sure to divvy it up in the right way. You better make sure to give the tzedakah. Don't be miserly. Give the right proper tzedakah and do it right away. You get a check, give the 10% right away. And you want to be good, go all the way up to 20%. I always say money comes and goes, but the memories, the true happiness, taking care of your wife, your kids, giving tzedakah, doing chesed, that will always remain. Because money will come and go. Money's fluid. One month we have money, one month we don't. But Hashem knows what He's doing. Hashem takes care of it. If you put in your effort, you do mitzvahs, you get money for Shabbos, for Yom Tov, you give tuition, you give tzedakah, you do chesed, Hashem will get it back to you. Hashem will take care of it. And we should be joyful and understanding and be cognizant of the fact that Hashem is taking care of us. Hashem brought us to this point. Hashem gives us a day, a life every day giving us life, hopefully at Meva Esram Shana, realizing who the real executor of the money is, who the real executor of the will is, who is the real person that gives us everything. Hashem gave you this house, God forbid it could be taken away. Hashem gave you this life, God forbid it could be taken away. Hashem gave you your clothing, your materials, your possessions, God forbid it could be taken away. I don't care how expensive your house is. I don't care how big your house is. I don't care how fortified your house is. Hashem could do whatever He wants. This is not the true existence. This is not the permanent existence, no matter how strong your foundation is, no matter how big your house is, no matter how much it costs, this is not where we're supposed to be. And Sukkot reminds you of where we're supposed to be. The Sukkah is the temporary dwelling. It's not our permanent existence. Our permanent existence is with Torah and mitzvahs in Eretz HaKodesh and Eretz Yisrael. We should be Zohar to live there now. America, Gullus, any place outside of Israel, and the, the Israel now should be the full Israel in the times of Mashiach, hopefully soon. All of this is not the permanent dwelling. Living in Israel is a much step closer to the actual dwelling than any of the places in Gullus, because this is the temporary existence. Hashem wants us to have a permanent in existence. We just have to figure out how to get there. Maybe through Ahavat Chinam, understanding we're supposed to take all the Arbaminim, all the elements of our practicing way of life, all the elements of different people to get us to the real permanent existence. Don't get rooted in Gullus. Don't get too set and firmly planted in your ways. We have no idea what the future is going to look like with leadership around the world, with how the virus is going to come. Our school is going to stay open, our businesses, our schools. How is anything going to play out? We have no idea. We just can try to do our part, living day by day, longing to have Mashiach, longing to have the building of the third Beit HaMikdash, longing to actually be in Eretz HaKodesh, in our 
our days, and we should be zocha that it should come soon. We should be zocha that it that it happens really soon. But understand that Sukkot teaches us about temporary dwellings, not to put too much faith in our homes, but put faith in Hashem, not to be overly confident in our alarm systems and in our locks and in our house dwelling, because that's all temporary. The only real protection is Hashem. The only real truth is Hashem, and it all comes from Hashem. We should realize to come to different points of the year, including Sukkot, and to tap into those feelings, those emotions, even if we don't feel them. But we must fake it till we make it. Push ourselves to feel happy, even if we don't fully feel happy. And that goes throughout the year also. We should push ourselves to feel happy, even if we don't feel happy. Granted, there are different stressors and sad things that happen in life. But by and by, especially if you have children, to put on a face, to put on a smile, to show them how to be happy. Because if you show calm, serenity, and peace, even if life is topsy-turvy and turmoil, kids can still be resilient and still pull through if they see their parents are okay. They see their parents are calm. They see their parents are at peace. Because what we do matters more than what we say. If, parent, if the children see what we do, we go and do Torah, Chesed, and Mitzvahs. We're happy to do the Sukkah. We're happy to do Lulav and Esrog. We're happy to do Shabbos. So happy to light the candles. So happy to be involved in Shabbos and singing in Torah. That's what really comes through. That could be the joy that comes through. The whole idea of Sukkot is remembering what Hashem does for us. That Hashem protects us. That Hashem gives to us. In so many, so many matters, all those years ago in the desert, taking care of all the elements, giving us the food we needed, the clothing we needed, taking care of it and giving us protection, giving us temporary dwellings. And we still have temporary dwellings, even though they look much better and much stronger on the outset, quote unquote, than what we had then. It's still temporary compared to the permanent existence we need to have, God willing, in the Beit HaMikdash, hopefully soon. God willing, in the land of Israel, we should all be Zohar to live there soon. And we should remember the lessons of Sukkot always. Remember to tap into the holiness of different parts of the year. I always think about Hanukkah also when it comes in the dead of the winter. What are we supposed to tap into Hanukkah? So for me, it taps into the resilience of the Jewish spirit. The fact that lightness could banish darkness. One candle in the dark, cold winter days of Hanukkah could banish the dark. Rabbi Kiva was in the forest once and he wanted to have a candle to be with him so he could banish the darkness. Of course, he lost everything and it really saved his life. He lost his chicken, his rooster, his candle and the like. But why did he bring a candle with him? Because even in the dark woods, even in the deep woods, the cold woods, that one candle could have banished the dark. In the dark days of winter, in the cold, gloomy days of winter, Hanukkah comes to bring to us to show us that the spirituality is more important than material. Outside it might look cold. Outside it might look dark. Outside it might look bleak. It might look like very, very sad, and it might look gloomy. But if you take the candle, you light the candle, and one candle does not get diminished by lighting another candle. The idea of tapping into others, trying to be makar of others, trying to reach out to others. Your Torah will not be lessened by sharing it with others. You're reaching out doing chesed with others. You're giving to others. You're doing tzedakah for others. You will not be diminished by giving to others. You will never lose by giving to others, doing mitzvahs for, and chesed for others. You, your bank account might go lower, but I'm telling you, Hashem will get it back to you. Hashem says this is the only area of my entire life I could test Hashem. Aser ta aser. Why does it say those words in the Torah? Aser ta aser. Aser bishmi. 
Give tithes, give tzedakah, so you will become rich. You'll become rich in mitzvahs. You'll become rich in chesed. You'll become rich in meaningful opportunities. And you'll become rich monetarily. By giving to others, you will never lose out. Hashem will always get it back to you. Give tzedakah, give tzedakah, do chesed. You'll never lose out. That's the one area of life. Hashem says, test me. You're allowed to test me. Give money, give maser, give tzedakah, do chesed. You will not lose out. Tzedakah teaches us, reminds us, What's really important, what's really temporary, and what's really permanent. The only thing that comes with us after 120 years are our mitzvahs, our chesed, the kasser shem tov that comes with us. Pirkei Avos teaches there's the crown of, re- of priesthood, the crown of royalty, the crown of Torah. But you know what's greater than all three crowns? You know what's really on top for all three crowns? Kasser shem tov ola al gabehim. The Kesser Shemtov, the crown of a good name, doing good things in this world, leaving good things behind, making a positive impact, doing mitzvahs and chesed, that's what really stays. That's what's really permanent. I don't care how big your house is, that doesn't stay. It might not even be in your family. If you move or whatnot, it's gone. Your car, that doesn't really stay. It could be sold, it could be taken away. Any material aspect could be taken away, could be lost. The only thing permanent, the only thing that stays is the real mitzvahs, the real chesed, the real good things you do in this world, tapping into the different times of the year, using your emotions, using your feelings to do good, understanding where your real permanent housing should be in the Eretz HaKodesh, where we could actually fulfill most of the mitzvahs of the Torah. So many mitzvahs are, are land-dependent. Our Tuluya Ba'aretz are actually are actually tied to the land. They can't even be done in America or anywhere else because that's the permanence we need to be. The permanent land, the land that was given to us, the land we finally got and given back to us is a huge, beautiful miracle in 48. That's the land that should really tie us and call to us. That's where our permanent housing really needs to be. Sukkot tells us to be joyful. Sukkot tells us what permanence really means. Sukkot tells us what temporary actually looks like. We go out of our comfortable houses, and it shouldn't even be too comfortable. It should be fully comfortable in the real land, of course. But we go out of what we consider, quote-unquote, permanent housing, which, of course, we know is not permanent. And we go into the temporary structure to understand, to realize, to remember Hashem is the protector. Hashem is the guarantor. Hashem is the executor of the will. Hashem is the only one that really protects us. We do our ishtadlas. We get those alarms. We get the locks. We take precautions and we make sure to lock our cars and the like. But Hashem is the only one protecting us. Hashem shomer. Hashem is the guardian, is the watchman. On Leil Pesach, we say it's Leil Shimura. It's the night of watching. Hashem was out there watching. Hashem was finding who was Jewish and who was not. Hashem was destroying our enemies and Hashem was protecting us. Because even when we go to sleep, even when we fall asleep in our slumber and we forget what's really important in life, Hashem never forgets. Hashem is the guardian. Hashem is the watchman. Hashem sees who clings to the Torah. Hashem sees who clings to chesed. Hashem sees who clings to the way of Judaism and, and trying to make a difference and doing good in this world. Hashem will take note of that. Hashem will watch that. Hashem will keep that in his storebook. Hashem will keep that in his accounting book and keep that in the book. And Hashem will see who wastes their time on Narashkai. Hashem will see who worries too much about Narashkai. Hashem will see what you do with your days. Are you sitting, lounging around doing nothing? Or are you taking your temporary existence of your God willing 120 years and doing something good every day? What did you do today?
What did you do yesterday? What are you going to do tomorrow? What did you do to live up to your namesake? Did you use your entire name? Were you the best Yankel Yankel that you could have been after 120 years we're going to be asked that? Did you live up to your name? What did you do? Did you do your business dealings honestly? Did you try to have children? Did you make sure to set aside Torah every day? Did you wait for the Mashiach? And did you prepare for Shabbos? And did you learn? Did you take care of everything you could every day? We're supposed to make sure to live up to our day. Realize that in our temporary dwellings, our temporary existence, we're supposed to make permanence. Permanent Permanence means doing things that will come with us after 120 years. The mitzvahs. The chesed. Making ourselves a kesar shem tov. Making ourselves a lasting impact. Because far long after the body dies, the soul lives on. The spirit lives on. The contributions remain. I remember Yankel Schmerl. He lived 50 years ago, but his contributions are still felt today. That's an amazing existence to have. Sukkot tells us and teaches us and reminds us to take the temporary and realize who's the real protector. To take the temporary life and realize what really is permanent. What really is permanence. Realize to tap into the holiness. To go into the holiness. To try to use the holiness. To bring it through, uh, through it with us throughout the whole year. To realize that even if we stray and wander from what our true dwelling should be that we come back and we we thirstily drink in the waters of Torah and we thirstily cling to the fire that is Torah a fire that should consume our soul that we should thirstily lap up and thirstily drink up every day of our life we should be involved in Torah we should be involved in a Pro, in a permanent existence, a proper permanent existence as much as we have every day tapping into the wonderful holiness that is the festivals the wonderful idea of tapping into the emotions that is the festivals and understanding what Sukkot really is about, what we're really supposed to take from it. And if we do so, maybe we could really be involved in the permanent real matters that, that are important in life. Having Ahavat Chinam, reaching out to one another, loving one another, being involved with one another. And in that way, we should be Zoha speedily in our days to bring Mashiach Bring the third base of English, have the proper permanence in the proper land, may it be speedily soon in our days. Join us next time as we talk the audio DT with Reb T, and I'm your host, Reb T.